This episode of the Hall of Justice is brought to you by Alara Health Products. Every time I turn on the news, there is something about COVID. There is something about the flu. There is something about viruses. Medical experts are understaffed. There's so much going on. The best way to avoid doctors is to improve your immune health. There's a product that I just learned about called Immune Extra, and it's the only product available that can increase immune health up to ninefold in as little as nine days. It does so by increasing the amount of messenger cells that alert the immune system of any invaders. It's only one per day for maintenance. Think of it as a multivitamin for the immune system. Dosages can be increased to up to 15 per day with no side effects ever reported after millions of doses. It's been around for over 30 years. It's just new to sports with friends. It's not new to the world. It's now available in a triple strength formula originally sold only by doctors. And if you have tested positive for COVID or any respiratory illness, it's a true medicine cabinet product. Immediately, when someone close to me tested positive, I wanted to know exactly what I should do. I contacted doctors. While we are not giving medical advice, this is something you want in your possession. It should be taken upon the onset of symptoms. Go to their website, www.immuneextra.com. And when you're checking out, get 15% off just for finding this from Sports with Friends. The keyword that will get you 15% off for the Hall of Justice. The keyword that will get you 15% off is Justice 15 for the Hall of Justice. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, Justice 15 gets you 15% off when you check out. And go to their website and check it out. Because if you don't want to just take my word for it, listen, my word's not gospel. Neither is anyone else's that you might hear from today. But go to the website, check it out, read about it. And you know what else I did? I Googled it. Click on news. There's nothing about any harm. There have been no side effects. There's nothing about this that would be alarming. Give your immune system a fighting chance against everything that's out there in the world, including COVID. Go to immuneextra.com. Use the keyword Justice15, and they'll know you found out about Immune Extra from the Hall of Justice. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great Hall of Justice... Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, 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 hey. hey welcome. 
Welcome to another episode of the Hall of Justice podcast. Thank you for your subscriptions. Thank you for just saying you dig the podcast. And again, for all the people who sent uh, messages to me on social media after my father passed away, I really, really appreciate that. Um, and last week, I had a chance to do something nice for my dad. So on this on this podcast, uh, this week, we are going back into the animated world. Uh, we have done a lot of episodes of this show with voice actors and voice actors. I have said this on the podcast before. There's no jerky voice actors, or if they are, they, they haven't been on this show. Uh, each voice actor that we wind up having on this program literally has been one of like the nicest people going. Um, having said that, uh, the gentleman that we are going to be talking to today, I mean, take your pick your poison. Uh, do you do you like spectacular Spider-Man? Do, have you seen Voltron? Uh, do you know about the Green Lantern show? And I have a funny story to tell him about the Green Lantern show. Uh, Hercules, Transformers, Metal Gear, so many things this gentleman has been in. It's an accomplished career, and he's not even older than me. That's even crazy. Makes me feel very unaccomplished. Let's welcome Josh Keaton to the Hall of Justice podcast. Josh, thanks for sitting down. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Happy First of all, congrats, man. I mean, uh, your your career has, you have to keep track of all the lead roles that you've played. You've, you've gotten a lot of gigs. And I know that the role of the voice actor is, you know, for every gig that you get, there's 10 that you auditioned for that you didn't get. Oh, but, there's more, more. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, the ratio is uh, a lot more skewed in the didn't get. But well, uh, but, the, but that's the funny thing. It, it, and I would imagine, and we can start this this way, I would imagine it's a lot easier knowing that you have this this line of work to fall back on that you've done that, that like this sense of accomplishment going into auditions. It must be very different than when, for example, you're reading for some of your first roles, having never done that. Um, it's I, I yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely very, very fortunate to have uh, to have gotten to play so many. I mean, for me as a as like a, a comic geek and a video game guy, um, so many kind of like bucket list roles. Um, and, and it's, uh, it, it is really cool. It is really cool. That being said, um, like when I first started in voiceover, I kind of came into it through an on-camera career mm -hmm. and, um, and I didn't really take it as seriously as, as I, I did later on in the career. So, um, it's funny because like when I went in, I would just kind of just go in and do it and I just wouldn't think about it. And, and that's, I've tried to kind of keep that going because if you think about all the parts you're not getting and and you take it personally then then you're just going to be depressed all the time because there really there really are so many parts that you audition for that you never even get a call back for and uh you know if, if you're always letting that weigh on you then then you're gonna you're just gonna hate yourself so you really just have to do your best and, and go in there and um and just leave it on the table and then forget about it well it, it's interesting that you say that because you know i don't think you know i knew that I know you from your voice career. I know you did live action stuff. Do you consider yourself one or the other, or do you just consider yourself, hey, I'm in the entertainment biz and whatever the gigs are, they, that's what I do. I'd say the latter. Um, I've I've kind of I've I've stuck my fingers in many pies and and really kind of run the gamut of. Um, or let's see what other phrases I can come up with. Um, run the gamut. Throw some cliches in there. It'll yes. sound like a sports podcast. Nice platitudes. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, of different of different parts of the entertainment industry, you know, I, I did um, I did on camera stuff, and and uh, I do I do voice work, and then even within voice work, there's been animation, there's been video games, there's been um, promo and commercial, and 
all that kind of stuff. I was in a boy band in the nineties. Like I, I've kind of just, yeah, I wasn't going to uh, open with that, but I was going to mention that. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. It's just <laughs> been kind of all over the place and, and, and just to just see where, where the industry took me, you know, um, some might call it floundering. Um, I just, I call it just, you know, being, be, being open to change and, and being open to kind of see where, where the, the waves take you, you know, a big transformation. Uh, and if you want to use uh, context, you know, in the nineties uh, there was a huge push for animated series to be uh, recorded like radio plays where everybody's sitting in a room and you're acting off of each other. Yes. Um, that has completely transformed. And this is not even a COVID thing because nowadays everybody's doing their own thing. And, you know, we had uh, Liz Gillies on a couple of weeks ago and there were people like she did uh, the Catwoman film with that she's never met. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And, and, and the chemistry is, 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 is palpable. Now, yes, there are very talented editors. I wish I could edit my podcast the same way. Um, what about the evolution of that and has it made the job easier harder or neither um well th that's absolutely true um now most of the voice work that i did started in the 90s um i think there might have been like one or two roles in like the late 80s maybe that i did um so my my earliest experience that i can really remember was in like the early 90s um when i did uh, like peter pan and the pirates and back to the future um, and, and those Back were to the all future of the cartoon folks. Back yeah. to the future of the cartoon. I was, I was Jules Brown. And I remember I got that role because I was the only person probably that could say, I'm computing the logarithmic equivalents of the atomic weights of certain isotopes found in the lanthanide series of rare earth elements. I, st I still remember that line because I, <laughs> I committed it to memory. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and I voice mean, acting, you don't have to commit anything to memory. No, but I mean, when you're a kid and, and, and the funny thing is, is that I was enough of a, of a little tiny nerd nerdlet that I, um, I totally understood what I was saying because I had seen a periodic table. I knew what the <laughs> lanthanide and the actinide series were, are, and, um, and, and I kind of understood what I was saying, but I wanted to make sure I pronounced everything correctly. So I, I just, I did it over and over and over and over and over, but yeah. But how was, old were you and weird. how, how old were you when you saw the films? Like you saw those movies, you were in captivated you know by those movies that's you know why it's really funny doing it must be why I, I actually hadn't seen the movies because i grew up in a very very like i had a very overprotective uh upbringing where mm. um i was not allowed to really see a lot of like pg-13 movies forget about it r-rated movies what the hell are those like i didn't even, <laughs> it, it's it seriously was was like that so there were a lot of movies that i hadn't really seen um i might have caught back to the future one um, when it was on, uh, you know, when they would show it on TV, um, but I had never seen uh, two or three. Um, wow. I yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I'd seen one um, because I, I loved the car. I've always been a car guy, and and the DeLorean was like the thing. And the other thing being the mall that is around where I grew up, the uh, the Puente Hills Mall, was the mall that they filmed that scene in. So it's with kind the, of with like the, uh, with the with the terrorists coming after the yeah, it was the Twin Pines Mall. That was that was the mall that I grew up around, and so. That was kind of like everybody knew that where, where I grew up. So, um, yeah, no, I, from I, Libya. Yes. Oh, I just remembered. Oh, Libyans. I definitely <laughs> seen, seen that movie and, uh, and I was excited about it, but yeah, those were ensemble reads. And so I got to be in the room with Dan Castellaneta and I was a huge Simpsons fan at the time. Yep, yep, um, yep. and, Great uh, Mary Steenburgen and, and Tom Wilson, um, 
and it, it was it was fantastic you know it was it was a, and everybody was so gracious so nice um and I, I had a great time and so I remember doing that I remember doing like Peter Pan and the Pirates where you know Tim Curry was Captain Hook and we worked with like Jason Marsden and a bunch of a bunch of other um vo- like kid voice actors at the time Jason Marsden did Cyclops in X-Men Evolution among so many other things, I mean, no, I, I know, but I, yeah, I know the guy. The guy's head. a legend, and he did a lot of on-camera stuff. That's actually where like, I all they met. asked me is to research you. I don't have to research everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember those were ensemble reads as well, to the point where we actually didn't have enough chairs in the studio to sit everybody to seat everybody. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, this was there's this was at a studio called Buzzies in in the middle of Hollywood. And they they also recorded music there. So I think this was probably like the biggest room they had where they could like set up a drum kit in there. And they had like these big speakers, like big, massive, I don't know, PV or Tanoi or like the, the big, massive, like yeah, yeah. ones that would sit on the floor. And it literally was like the Lost Boys treehouse in there because like in between takes, I would basically go in t- on top of this huge speaker and I would just kind of like sit down, lie down on this thing, waiting for, for it to be my turn to go and share the mic. Um, so yeah, I mean, those were really my earliest experiences. And then most of my experiences with, um, with those, those radio style records were, I mean, mean, most of the stuff was that there, there'd be the off chance where scheduling would conflict and you would have to go in and, and, um, you know, by yourself or somebody would come in and, and have to do that. Um, but I mean, honestly, as, as a, um, just as a default, it really was COVID that, that really switched everything over because up until then, you know, people might've had studio, like little makeshift home studios that they would, you know, read into a closet where you'd be reading, right, into right. Your, um, but, but nothing where it was soundproofed. It would sound good enough for an audition. They would have good enough equipment for an audition, but they didn't have a high speed uplink. They didn't have any of that kind of stuff. So for the most part, you know, the majority of, of uh, actors didn't have connected studios um, that were soundproof and all of that. And it wasn't until COVID where, you know, there was a, a scramble to figure out what the hell was going to happen because nobody could go anywhere. Um, and the only thing that really could stay in production if they could the figure animation. it out was animation. So it was one of those things where if you wanted to work, you had to build a studio. And I already had a studio. I, I've had this for about I don't know, a little more than 10 years. I, I had this, I used to be the voice for a, a show called Extra, um, which is like a gossip show. And yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. a daily gig where I would basically have to connect every morning and- uh, Oh, and, and like read the headlines, yeah, and right? And tease like the headlines. Coming for, up for on promos. Extra. Yeah, yes, yeah. on the next Extra. Um, that was me. And so oh, that wow. was like a daily gig that I had. And so I had, a, the, 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 the job was contingent on me having a studio. So it was like one of those things where I auditioned for it. I made all the cuts and they're like, Okay, we want it. We want to use him, but he has to have a studio. Um, back then, they connected through ISDN, which is like. Of course, I had an ISDN. Yep, totally. Yes, yeah, so I had to get ISDN lines put in here, and uh, and and I. Just, they don't even make those. Yeah. You couldn't if your ISDN line broke. You couldn't call a phone company. They wouldn't fix it now. Out here, they would, but it would be obscenely expensive. Not to mention yeah. they they don't want people to use it anymore. So they've really raised the prices to the point where it's it's, it's just ridiculous. ridiculous. Westwood yeah. One, Westwood One uh, insists on them for their NFL coverage because mm-hmm. that's a big deal. You know, it's five hundred sure. radio stations or whatever, and they have to fight to get them in some stadium. It's it's a it's bonker. The word ISDN is like a, a lost lost art. Yeah, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And, and the uh, rates are crazy. I remember I had this one session where they 
they couldn't, they had to reimburse me because, I, and this is the first time since then that I had really, uh, or since they had started raising the prices that I really saw how expensive it was. Because usually they would call me to connect, but they were having problems and they said, you know what, why don't you try connecting to us? We'll reimburse you the cost for the, the call. And then I got the bill and I looked at it and this was like maybe a half hour call and it was like $600. Like just crazy, insane amount of, of cost. So yeah, that. Yeah. They don't really use them much anymore. Everything's on the internet. No, everything everything's on the internet. Um, I have a funny extra question. This is how this show goes. It always turns into tangents. Um, I love it. What that's, is that's the most bonkerest uh, headline that you read where you read it, you did fine, it, it's not, and then you went, what? Oh, like, I, can't, like, I can't even you, remember because, I mean, this was like 10 years. Please tell me it was something Kardashian. I, it probably was something Kardashian because <laughs> it was like 80% of the stuff that we reported on. Kim Kardashian's so, best work has been seen. Yes. Some, <laughs> I'm sure it had something to do with the Kardashians. Um, I remember, you know, it being very emotional when, when Michael Jackson died and they did the whole ah, special on that. Yeah. So I do remember those. I do remember covering that, um, you know. The, a bunch of those kind of things but um i mean for the most part it was it was a lot of fluff a lot of um yeah. they they at one point i think like maybe seven or eight years into me working there they actually did a segment on me where they said did they uh, really yeah they did they did a little segment That's i think it was awesome. they had like a, a geek segment um where they had like a geek reporter and the geek reporter talked to me and, and said this That's is the voice so of extra funny. and he's also the spectacular spider-man and all yeah, this kind yeah. of stuff so i thought that was really cool that's very very cool all right you said the words let's uh transition about a month ago we had greg weissman on the show I love and greg. it was mostly to talk about catwoman and it turned into a massive young justice conversation um we brought up Spider-Man, you know, it wasn't like we were ducking it. It's just, you know, these shows can't be two hours long. And Greg's eyes lit up when Spectacular Spider-Man uh, came up. It is a beloved show. It, it is. And it's interesting because I, I'll be perfectly honest. The animation, it's not, the, it, it just was, it, it's so different. And yes, very that's, that's not the defining thing about that show. It's the, you know, you, you only did like 30 or so episodes and it's so character intensive. Yes. What about that show? Like, I'm just throwing a bunch of facts at you. What about that show? Where do we start this conversation about a show that people listening to this podcast are going to be like listening because of Spectacular Spider-Man? Sure. I mean, it's crazy that after all these years, it still has like a massive amount of support. I mean, I not even a year ago i think they got save spectacular spider-man trending like i think it got up to almost like number three worldwide well, when young Spider justice came back when you know when when first it was dc universe and then you know this the streaming service and then when they announced did disney plus and that's the thing spectacular yeah. spider-man is not on disney plus yeah it's crazy it's crazy how uh how we we just we get left out all the time no no but they, there's they gotta be a reason Netflix. i haven't done the research on that but there's gotta be a reason why it's not, you know, they have like the 1981 Spider-Man and like all this random stuff. But the two big omissions are the 1967, the, you know, the, the, the original Spider-Man Spider series Spider -Man. Yep. and, and your show and, and that show, uh, I mean, I, I recommend to the audience, go get it on iTunes by the first season, you will be hooked. It's, it's a great show. And I mean, I'm not saying that just because I'm in it. Um, you know, obviously right, you didn't write I'm, it. Not, I'm not shy to toot my own horn, but you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't write it. I didn't animate it. Um, 
but it's a uh, it really is a love letter to to Spider-Man and to to the classic storylines and to to the character and to fans of of the show of of not just the show but of of anything Spider-Man because it draws so much from the comics. Um, it's in my opinion probably the most accurate take on Spider-Man in terms of and or. Wow. In, of Peter Parker, mm-hmm. um, in terms of just his his inner monologue and and uh, and and how he presents himself to the world, um, and uh, there's just so many delicious Easter eggs everywhere throughout it. I mean, within the animation, they'll recreate iconic covers that mm-hmm. you know you can pause it and and hold up the cover right next to it, and it's it's like it's like right there. You can you can totally see it. Even um, the fact that anybody who had a name in the show was not made up. Anybody who spoke and had a name in the show came from the comics. It didn't matter how obscure um, the character was, even if it was like a janitor. If he had no uh, Chloe Sullivan in the show. Yeah. If if they had a name, they they, there was a comic where that that character existed. Um, Just very dark. I shouldn't have referenced. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was um, and, and the animation was fantastic. I mean, they they went with really stylized designs. Um, so that they could really, really easily, I forget what the term, uh, squash, squash and stretch, I think were the animation terms they used so that they could really have dynamic fight scenes. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, outside of, outside of some of the new CG, um, you know, super, super high budget stuff, I don't think I've ever seen better, um, fight choreography and fight animation in, in a Spider-Man cartoon. I just, I haven't seen it. It's some of those sinister six fights were, were truly incredible, um, but it's, everybody was, it's a it's a really good show. It's it. very different than the the John Semper. Uh, we had Christopher Daniel Barnes on this podcast probably a, a year guy. ago. Great, great guy. guy, and uh, he was he was fantastic. And that show's uh, tremendous as well. Um, it, yeah, that show different. was revolutionary for its time. I mean, that was the first yeah. time that you would you saw Spider Man swinging in three D. Yep. Um, well, it's also the uh, the first time that there were crossovers. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people say that that show, you know, created the, the, the basically the 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 blueprint for the Marvel, you know, the the what what's gone on with. Marvel. I can totally see that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways, and and John Semper's great. What was uh your, what was your thought on the Spider-Man movies, um, the originals, the the you know whether it's Toby or whether it's Garfield, you know, having played the character, you have an affinity for the character. Um, what's your take on the way they're, 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 they're portraying him now? Well, the thing about Spider-Man is that there's like a certain sandbox that you kind of have to play in and you can bring your own flavor to it, but there's still certain, certain parts of the character that always need to remain consistent. And I feel like every actor that's played him has, has done a good job of that, uh, of, of staying in that sandbox while still making it their own. Um, I, I, I I mean honestly I enjoyed I enjoyed everybody's performances. Um I I prefer Toby as Peter. Um I I like my Spider-Man uh quippier and and more confident in the suit mm-hmm. um than than he brought but I I loved his Peter Parker. I thought it was fantastic. Um I I liked Andrew Garfield's performance. I I really did. I mean I know that it, the early stuff was polarizing and people have really enjoyed the the, the more recent stuff that he did. Um, but that I, I know, I remember how the earlier stuff was polarizing and I, I liked it. You know, it was just, it was different. It was, it was a cooler Spider-Man. Um, and then Holland's great. Holland's great. I, I, I like the, the youthful exuberance that he brings to it. Not the Uh, brightest (laughs) Spider-Man. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, but crap just happens to him. If you push them all together, but I mean, 
crap just happens to Peter Parker too. I mean, Peter yeah. Parker has that Parker luck where no matter what is going on in his life, something is always going to come and, and take a dump on it. So All it's, right. uh, <laughs> well, then, then I'm not going to put words into Greg Weissman's mouth, but uh, your Spider-Man, the one that your Peter Parker would not have been fooled by Mysterio. How about that? That is true. That is true. Um, but then again, he underestimates the tombstone and gets slapped across the table. Fair uh, I mean, th- so again, it's it's potato, potato. Touche, touche. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's everybody. It, it, and it just shows how, how he's still, he's a superhero, but he's learning to be a superhero. He's still yeah. fallible. He still can underestimate his opponents as much as he thinks that he doesn't. And, and have an over-reliance on his smarts and wits and, and, and kind of rest on his laurels and, and get surprised in a bad way. So, um, I mean, again, I, I, I still find that very consistent with the character. I'd say the one thing that I never really enjoyed were um, organic webs. That's, I mean, that's, that's just a, a, a geek point of contention for me, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I hate it. I, I get hate it. it. I think it's such a cop-out. Like, <laughs> I, I love the fact, I'll tell you why I like web shooters just in a couple different ways. The first one is because I love how adorably um, geeky it is. You know, he, he figures out that he can, he has these spider powers because he got bitten by a radioactive spider. And, and his first thought is, I should shoot webs. Like, it's, it's so endearing. And, and it's such a great, it's such a great uh, character point. But then the other thing is that it's a showcase for his brilliance. Sure. He's sure. able to, to uh, make these miniaturized mechanical web shooters. He's able to engineer the, the, chemically engineer the formula, make it so that it doesn't stick to him and, and cause him any issues. Um, I, I mean, it's 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 a showcase for for his smarts. And, but I remember and, Sam Raimi saying that that didn't seem realistic to him. Oh no! But uh, that I mean, we're talking could, about a radioactive a spider. Yeah. I, but that's the whole thing. Like that's that is. I know. If, I know. if he's not bitten by a, a spider, what is his superpower? His superpower is that he's still brilliant. He's still yeah, he's brilliant. And he's still kind of courageous. Which okay, so that's my argument against Tom Holland. He why is such a smart character so dumb in those movies? Well, but again, that that happens. How many people do you know who are like PhDs that that can barely tie their shoes, or, or who <laughs> are the worst drivers on the planet? Like, that's fair. What, just because you're great at one thing doesn't mean that you're going to be great at everything. And, yeah. and you know, I I know plenty of smart people who are horrible in relationships, and and it's just, it is what that's it fair. is. You know, you're not going to be great at everything. No, it's a great, it's a it's a great point. Um, I did have a story for you. I want to change the subject this way. Sure. Um. I started this podcast in 2015. We didn't have like a hundred listeners for the first like 12, 15 episodes. Episode 28, Zack Snyder came on and he said some things that he ripped Superman fans and it kind of went viral. And we, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of, of, of listeners, but, but uh, one gentleman who came on the podcast when it was in its infancy was Giancarlo Volpe. Yes. GC. And he was one of the kindest, nicest people and Green Lantern had wrapped up, you know, it, it was 2015. So it had just kind of wrapped up and I loved it. I, I thought the show, you know, was, was undersold and, and didn't get a fair shot. It was constantly getting its time slot changed and yeah. you know, back, you know, this is before streaming services. So like, you know, you had to see Green Lantern when it was on and you had yep. to find it. Um, you were Hal Jordan in that show and I think it is very underrated. And I think that's one of the things that HBO Max has done 
is given that show new life. I think there's a new appreciation for Green Lantern because it's on first the DC universe and then it went on to HBO Max. And now it's just there and people are tuning it in and saying, where was this show? Why did I never see this show? I'm so happy about that. And and I wish that, you know, Disney Plus would do it with Spectacular, but because yeah. it really does, like you say, bring new life to it. Um, I wish that they could revive it and, and bring it back for another yeah. I bet. Another continuation because now, and that one didn't end on as much of a cliffhanger. I mean, it kind of did, but it's still kind of, even the cliffhanger still resolved a lot of the story points and, and it was like a nice ending. Um, but I still would like to see more. I felt like it did a great job setting up the mythos for somebody who is not, um, who doesn't already know Green Lantern. I think that's where really where the movie failed. Like the movie, <laughs> the movie didn't really set up enough of, of what the core was. And, and it tried to do too many things in two hours, you know, like you well, have a standard line have like, yeah, you have, yeah. What, what is it? Um, the, the, the poo monster. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, there's no, my, the standard line on this podcast is you know, whenever we criticize movies, it's generally the writing. It's never the director or the actors because they're brilliant. And the line is Ryan Reynolds was great as Green Lantern. It's not his fault. He fought a cloud. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I feel like Ryan Reynolds did as, as well as he could with, with what he right, was And that's the Andrew Garfield I, argument. Andrew Garfield was great as Spider-Man. His movies weren't. I, f I feel like there was just they, they tried to do too much in two hours. You right. know, they, they needed to establish more of what the core was because not a, I mean, Look, as comic book geeks, we know about Green Lantern. And even I that being said, when I auditioned for the part, I had never read a Green Lantern comic. And wow. and I had gotten the part and then I got freaked out. I was scared. I was like, I know nothing about this property. <laughs> so I called up my buddy who was like the, the biggest Green Lantern fan on the planet. And I I couldn't tell him because I was under NDA. So I kind of like had to, you know, be cagey about it and say, hey, dude, I, uh, so I, somebody sent me a Green Lantern comic and it's really awesome, man. Like, I, I would really love to get more into this. You know, what can you send me that, that, uh, for somebody that just wants to, to start this, this is really cool stuff. And so he sent me a list of everything that I needed to read. And so then I started reading the stuff. So, and, and this is coming from somebody who really enjoys comics. So it's like not everybody, it, it wasn't nearly as mainstream of a comic book character as somebody like Spider-Man or Superman or Batman. And so you, they needed to set it, set it up more. They needed to, to world build that more, um, for, for a mainstream audience. And I don't, I don't think they did that. Whereas our show, we went through everything. Now, granted, we had 26 episodes of time to do it. Right. Um, but I, I feel like maybe had the show come out first and, and, you know, done what it did, if they had promoted it, then the movie would have been a bigger hit because people would have been familiar. Oh yeah. You know, they, they have the purple ones and they have the orange ones and, like they, they would have understood it more. Um, right. But yeah, such, yeah. such is no, life. Well, and it's funny because I only read comics as an adult. Um, I've told this story many times on the show. Uh, my freshman year in, at, at Syracuse, I was uh, a, like a staff reporter for the campus TV station. And I got sent to a comic book store to cover the death of Superman. Mm -hmm. And that introduced me. And I was like, wow, these things are really written for adults like wow like there's this is a lot more adult than i had ever thought it was and the the book that convinced me of that was hal jordan going bananas and losing his mind and the ring going to kyle rayner the interesting part about the green lantern series and giancarlo i listened back when i knew you were coming on i listened back to giancarlo's episode um just because it had to go up from 12 downloads to 13 um <laughs> the uh 
the idea um, behind it was, I think that if that show goes further, I'm not saying how Jordan goes bananas, but I just think they could have done more with him. That Hal's arc could have been just even further. That it li- literally, it's the show that leaves you wanting more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I, again, like, it was something where, where he was kind of like the pillar and and everything. You were basically being introduced to the rest of the mythos through through Hal. Um, and and the big a big point of the show was was Aya introducing Aya and yep. and uh, and Razor. Right. And, her her and their their arcs are complete. Yes. Hal's was the next one. You know exactly. I mean, you could see right there. He, I mean, I don't know how many people caught it, but he he's in the in the bookcase in the last episode, and he passes right by the Book of Black. Um, there was there was a lot of stuff that they were foreshadowing, and so. Totally. It, uh, it would have been interesting to see it get more time. All right. In the interest of time, like I said, we can do whole episodes on Green Lantern and, and yeah. Spectacular for that matter. Of course. Um, I have a unique question about Voltron. Okay. I am in the process of seeing it for the first time. I think I'm on season seven. Okay. Um, and my question is, who is the demographic for this show? Because is it people who knew what Voltron was from the 80s or is it people who are literally like kids now or is it adults now? Because the animation is so intense and so gorgeous. The one thing I tell anybody about Voltron is uh, invest in it and watch it on a big screen. Do not watch that on a phone. Um, It's brilliant. Um, Tell me about Voltron and who's the target demographic for this? I mean, I think I think it was probably all the above. I mean, there there were a lot of callbacks to the original show, um, even though it's it's Shiro who you know in in the eighty four show it was Sven. Um, I mean, they still was that something you got a lot of flack on social so, media about? Uh, which one? No, not at all. I mean, they they well because the the original anime in Golion, I'm I'm pretty sure it is um, Takashi Shirogane. Uh, Sven was an American invention for yeah, for yeah. that character, so it it was kind of blending some of the original American version of the show uh, with some of the original anime. Um, and, and But there were a lot of callbacks to, to the original show in there. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't in the room when they were, they were kind of figuring out who the demographic was going to be. Um, I, I think that, like, like most robot shows, they kind of initially start them out to be like boy shows. And then, you know, the audience can kind of shift and move from there. I think they're finally starting to get away. Well, I, I would hope they're finally starting to go away from um, really gender-based marketing because, like, I, I have two kids. I have a boy and a girl, and they, they like all kinds of things. And, and just because something is necessary, something might be geared to a boy doesn't mean that my daughter's not going to like it and, you know, all of that. So, Well, I would, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely an, enough, you know, people... Also, it's uh, Reese Darby. If I'm, I hope I'm saying yes, his Reese. name, who is um, from Flight of the Concords, which is one of the funniest shows around. Um, yes. He's brilliant in this show. And I keep thinking he's going to call a meeting when he, you know, like, like he used to do with, uh, with the Flight of the Concords uh, with, with, with those dudes. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a very detailed show and it's, and it's 2D animation, but it's gorgeous. It's just, it really does look gorgeous. It's so it's the different. Same that did, it's the same studio that did uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend yeah. of Korra, um, Studio Mir. 
Uh, and they also did another show that I'm, I'm working on or that I worked on called uh, Dota Dragon's Blood. They did the animation for that as well. Wow. They're a, they're a great studio. They, they make just gorgeous, gorgeous visuals. It's, it's very different. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's something uh, else uh, to it. It's interesting listening to you on this podcast, and I wonder if the audience hears it. You sound more like Shiro than that. That's, that's what you sound like when you're just talking as you. Yeah, it's, it's not a knock on your your Peter or your your Hal or any of the others. I you know there's countless others. It just seems like that's most like your regular voice. It it kind of is. I mean that's um that's that's kind of where I I default to. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess it, I guess it kind of is. <laughs> um, real quick, you've also uh, picked and choosed. Um, you you you've been selected for some random. Uh, DC animated movies. Now these are are the creme de la creme. You know, people have all their opinions on the DC live action stuff, but the reality is the DC animated movies. Each one tries to best the previous. You know, they they just keep getting better uh, in in time. But you did um, Crisis on Two Earths, if I'm yes, correct. yeah, and you were the Flash. Uh, yes. Crisis on Two Earths is a really really different kind of movie this is when they were doing this series of one-offs and nothing you know had anything to do with each other and they had to build this whole universe on it and you were the flash in that what was that experience like and what of those movies you know what opportunities those movies present absolutely well that was that was where i really worked with uh bruce tim for i mean it wasn't the first time because i did like something on Batman on Batman, the animated series when I was like super, super little, like I'm, I'm sure he didn't remember me. Um, kid. Yeah, exactly. And so that was, and, and to be honest, I don't even know if I met him or, or maybe he was just in, in the booth and, and you know, whatever, but yeah, I think that that was, that was really the first time that I worked with him. Um, I want to say that was the first time I worked with, did Andrea Romano direct? I think she directed that. And I think that that was the first time that I worked with her as well. She was on this podcast when we paid tribute to Ed Asbury. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our Uncle Ben. Um, and then... Right. Um, he was in Spectacular Spider-Man. That's yeah, he was He was Uncle Ben. He was Uncle That's Ben. Another chance you could have been on the show. My goodness, I know, right? Regular. And then that was um, that was written by uh, by Dwayne McDuffie, the, the mm-hmm. late, the great, late great McDuffie. Yep. Um, so it was it was a fantastic experience um, getting getting to be, you know, quippy, quippy flash and uh, kind of silly and uh, got to do a couple lines as Aquaman. Uh, but it was it was great. And, and that was yeah, that was that was probably I, I mean, I, I, I don't really want to connect the two that much because I don't really know what went on behind the scenes or if it was even a thought. But that that was probably I, that might have helped me get Green Lantern uh, down the mm-hmm. down the road. Um, Crisis on Two Earths came out in 2010. Green Lantern was shortly after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, with if anything, it's you're you're at least in somebody's head when when you've just worked with them. So yeah, you did. You, you also did. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm selling your career short. I could do the whole episode just reading off all the things that you've been. In. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm doing. The, I'm trying to like play the hits for what our audience <laughs> is going to re- recall. Uh, you also did uh, DC Superhero Girls. You did Lego DC. Uh, you were in Justice League Gods and Monsters, which is a really um, polarizing one because it was a complete Elseworlds. Yeah, um, um, I played, oh, what was his name? I played Orion. Orion, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a fun but one a too. a different Orion, yeah. Yeah, very different Orion. 
I had to do a very, uh, you know, real low voice for that. Ooh, was, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a skill. I, Phil Lamar was on this podcast. He was one of the other early people like, like Giancarlo, like who had done it when we had nobody. And I just was amazed by the range he could do on a, on a dime. Yeah. Phil it's is just, amazing. Phil it's is incredible. Amazing. And finally Phil. you, you did um, uh, soul of the dragon, Batman soul of the dragon, which is something we did a bunch of episodes on what a unique film. And it literally is like, that's like Bruce Tim saying, I'm making a movie that I want to see. And I don't care if anybody else wants to see it, but I want to see it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it was, it was, I mean, I thought it was really cool. And I, I played a, a super, super creepy rich guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Cobra, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah it it's pretty wild. You, you seem like you're, you're a fan of this stuff as well as getting to be a part of it. And that oh, must yeah. be. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like being, I mean, cause it's, it's stuff that you, that you grew up on and, and dreamed about doing and, and now, now I'm doing it. So it's it, like I said, I, it's some of these roles are like bucket list roles, like to get to be in a Disney movie. No, you said that like, in the very beginning friends to get to be a Spider-Man and, and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's stuff that you dream about when you're a kid growing up and say, Oh, I wish I could do that. And then, and then you do it. And, and then you're like, well, what do I, what do I do next now? That's pretty wild. Uh, lastly, uh, how do you feel about social media and how has social media helped promote the stuff that you work on? Do the parts that you play encourage that kind of stuff? Is that something that a lot of these places are? I'm not, I'm grouping all, you know, you've had so many different jobs. So I have, I have mixed feelings about social media. The, the negative would be that like it, it can be like another job because I mean, you got, Instagram and you got Twitter and you got TikTok and you got YouTube and you got Twitch and you got, um, I'm sure I'm leaving some other ones out, but you have so many different ones that you constantly need to have like a presence on and, but you can't just be reposting the same stuff and everything. You know, you have to be creative in different ways for each one, which is kind of cool because it, it, it helps keep the creative muscles going, but sometimes you just want to rest, you know, and, totally. and, and sometimes, you know, I still got to go stream for a few hours when I might've had like a really rough week in terms of voice and, and I need to rest. I should be resting my voice, but I still got to go on and make sure that audience doesn't go anywhere. Um, I, I also you have think a Twitch these, channel. You, yeah, I do. What? It's uh, it's Space Padre, twitch.tv slash Space Padre. And what do you um, do? Do you answer questions? Or um, yeah, it... I chat a lot. I play a lot of World of Warcraft on there. Um, oh, nice. Other video games too. Um, I, I played some Dark Souls. I played some Mario stuff. Just different things. Different That's stuff. Cool. I... When, uh, when I fire up uh, a game, you know, I'll, I'll go and stream it. That's very cool. So, I mean, yeah, it can feel like, it can definitely feel like another job at times. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that being yeah. said, you know, it's a good way to promote your career. It's a good way for up-and-comers to really kind of start to make a name for themselves. I know people who have who've really um, springboarded a career out of social media and, and, and transitioned it into, into you know, union work. And, and so, I mean, I think that that's great. It, it gives another option for people that are... Oh, that cool. uh, that want to get into the business, and then you know, again on the, on the negative side, it, it, there's it's like a double-edged sword. Like it it is really really good for fan engagement and for fans to get together and talk about the stuff that they love to do. But then there's always going to be an ugly side of it where there's going to be people who uh, harass other people and are toxic, and and that oh, it's a sus- that sus- that can kind of permeate, you know. And so it's um like I said, it's a double-edged sword. It's got some great things and and then some not so great things. No, I, I get it. How can people find you online, sir? I am on Twitter at Josh Keaton. I am on Instagram at Space Padre. I have a TikTok at the Josh Keaton. Whoa. Uh, 
TikTok yes, too. Oh my goodness, you are hardcore. Well, I mean, TikTok TikTok's actually been pretty uh, pretty hype. Like, uh, there's I, it's funny because when when I've been on pretty much every social media platform over the years, like I kind of see the ebbs and flows. And you see that like Facebook is kind of starting to die off, and, and even Twitter's kind of starting to die off. But then Instagram is kind of you know there, but then TikTok just exploded. So it's uh, that 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 by far is the busiest one. Um, and then um, and then yeah, and then and then Twitch, Twitch.tv/spacepadre. That's that, that's awesome. Well, go out and, and follow him. And I say this at the end of every episode: if there's anything that you heard that you have an issue with or something that you didn't like uh, that came up on this podcast, do me a favor, reach out to Josh directly and leave me the hell out. <laughs> yes, please do that. Josh, it's been a pleasure, man. Congrats on all your success. I look forward to keeping in touch. Awesome, Seth. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time, and uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you again. That's Josh Keaton. This is the Hall of Justice podcast. We thank you for subscribing and listening to this podcast. Next week, we're going to review Peacemaker. We'll talk to you then.